last night we had a meeting, our normal Saturday night meeting, mostly with uh, Venezuelans. And um, uh, a friend named Joel Joel, he sometimes shares in our meetings, uh, put a quote from Isaac Pennington uh, on the, in the chat. And we ended up talking a lot of the time, at least, about it's a quote about the the new covenant. And I was gonna I was gonna read it. I ended up talking a lot about that last night, and felt like this morning as I was just kind of asking the Lord what to what to talk about or open up with this morning. That just kind of seemed like the most real thing still in my heart, and it has to do with what it means to be in covenant with God and. Um, and that kind of goes along still with uh, what I've been talking about here and what I've been feeling in my heart most Sunday mornings about just walking with God and walking in covenant and what it means to keep the covenant of God. And so let me read it and I'll take it from there. It says, This covenant is an agreement between God and the soul, wherein things are required of the soul, through the life and strength which flows from the covenant. And the soul may hearken to the enemy and not to the Lord. It may walk after the flesh and not after the spirit. It may lust after high knowledge and hidden things of the kingdom, as those of old who pried into the ark. It may draw back from the Lord in those respects wherein it had formerly given up to him, etc., now, these and such like things are breaches of the covenant. These are sins against it, which draw down judgments upon the soul at present, and at last will result in an utter casting off, unless the soul be brought back by the judgments into the agreement again with the Lord in truth and uprightness. Now, it is true that the Lord does all in the covenant according to his good pleasure. <clears throat> But he has appointed a way of working out the life and happiness of the soul to which it is his good pleasure to keep. And his way is Christ, his seed. From this seed, all the love, mercy, care, and tenderness of God flow. And to this seed, the soul must come. And here the soul is to abide that it may enjoy and possess these things. But if the enemy can, by any means, draw the soul out from here, he draws it out from its own life and strength and from the sweet blessings and influences of the holy and free covenant. <clears throat> now, the Lord has not given power to the enemy to force the soul out from here. Rather, he gives power to the soul to abide with him here. And in the hour of distress, if it cries to him, he helps the helpless and lifts up a standard against the enemy. So there's a lot in, in those two little paragraphs um, that I think are extremely valuable and extremely practical. There's a, there's a lot of... Um, the, the phrase or the, or the term new covenant is, is frequently used today in the church. And I, I think oftentimes probably without 
uh, we kind of use it flippantly or without much understanding of what what that covenant is and what it means to keep the covenant or walk in the covenant, um, what it means to break the covenant. There's there's a lot of, uh, I think, assumption that just because we don't we don't we, we weren't born in the time of the old covenant that we're automatically in and walking in the new covenant and um just because we were born you know just because i was born in 1975 therefore i am uh, I'm, I'm in the new covenant but that's not really how a covenant works it doesn't doesn't have to do primarily with well really at all with time uh, some people say that well because we stopped doing these uh, these old covenant types of things, uh, sacrifices and and incense and tabernacles and stuff like that. That's why we're, we we stopped doing these things that were old covenant things, and 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 by stopping them, that means we're in the new covenant, and that's not true either. Stopping of things isn't how you walk in the covenant and keep the covenant, and and then there's other ideas too that I've heard that are maybe more common in certain circles, but um, I wanted to kind of explore a little bit with you guys this morning and start our conversation by just uh, sharing some things that have, again, become real meaningful and practical in my heart about about what it means to keep our covenant, what a covenant even is. There's a lot of scriptures that talk about God re- kind of reaching in or bearing his outstretched arm and reaching into Israel, kind of like an iron furnace sometimes that use that word is used, an iron furnace. Um, and 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 pulling on Israel or grabbing Israel and bringing Israel to to himself. And and we know that Israel, when, when the Lord laid hold of Israel in Israel in uh, Egypt and <clears throat> and began to bring Israel to Himself, He didn't bring them right out of Egypt and put them immediately into the Promised Land. He did bring them to Himself. Exodus nineteen uh, four says that I lifted you up on eagles' wings and brought you to Myself. And now, if you will keep My covenant. And walk with me, then I'll make you a kingdom of, um, uh, of of saints, a holy nation. And and so he he brought them to to this relationship with him, and and what this relationship was called, and what what it was shown to be right away in in Exodus was a covenant. But again, what is a covenant? What what should we think of when we think of the word covenant? Well, like all things that are spiritual, I think the Lord needs to give us his understanding of those things. Otherwise, we, we just have a concept. And I, I always want to try to be careful to, to not just give a, a, a better concept or offer a better concept to replace a poor concept. And we walk away with still just a concept. But I think there is there is a way to think about a covenant that is a lot more accurate, and I think points us maybe in a in a better direction, and 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 helps us to feel the need that we all have to have the Lord write this covenant on our heart. This covenant is not a a set of uh, things written in a book 
although the whole New Testament describes the New Covenant. The New Testament describes the New Covenant, but the New Testament isn't the New Covenant. It's a description of it. The New Covenant itself is a relationship. It's, a, it's like, like what uh, Pennington said here. It's an agreement between God in the soul and the soul in which the soul can walk and can live. And, and if the soul stays in, in that agreement or that living, I always kind of, when I think about a covenant, I think about a, a living circle of life and light that has boundaries. It's not, it's not just, you can't just go wherever you want. It, it, the, the covenant has, there's an agreement to it. There's a, there's a, there's a defined relationship. It's not just anything anyone wants it to be. It's not just anyone's idea about God or religion or Christianity or Old Covenant or New Covenant. It's not, it, it's not bound by your own ideas. It's bound by the, the boundaries or the limits of life. And if you walk in that life, or you could say it's bound by the limits or boundaries of light or the, bound by the life of Christ or the or the truth, the living truth of Christ. It has, it has boundaries to it. It's like, again, I, I picture it like a, like a circle uh, that is Christ, or Christ, I picture Christ as a circle. I mean, I don't know exactly how to say it in the best way, but, um, but, but it's on the inside of it, there's life. There's true, living truth. There's substance. There's power. There's forgiveness. There's everything that is a reality in Christ. And yet on the outside of it, if you go outside the boundaries of the covenant, then there's, there's death. And, and that's what Israel came into. God brought them immediately into a perfect covenant. And yet that covenant didn't immediately make them perfect, as we can see by reading uh, the stories of the Exodus. The covenant was perfect. The relationship was perfect. It was established in a perfect way by a perfect Savior. And in, in the old covenant, that was in pictures and types and shadows. Um, but but the covenant was a living thing that had to had to be submitted to and walked in in order for Israel to experience the benefits of that covenant. They could not break the covenant, ignore the boundaries of the covenant, go outside the walls and the, the limits of that covenant and still be experiencing the things that were going on inside the covenant. When they broke the covenant, when they went outside the boundaries of the covenant, that's when they began to experience various pictures of death or darkness or ground opening and swallowing them or Amorites uh, killing them or losing power to fight battles or snakes biting them and fiery serpents. or There's all these different pictures of um, what would happen when they broke the covenant. But what was, what was breaking the covenant? That's what I want you to consider. It wasn't just going against the rules. It was going outside of the boundaries of a, a place where they could walk with God, a, an agreement that God had established with the people that he had taken out of one place and was bringing to another, okay, in himself. And, and every aspect of that old covenant was a, it was a picture of, 
Christ. It's it's right to say that. We could say everything in the Old Covenant was a picture of Christ. Okay, again, easy to say, not as easy to really understand and less common to experience. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that we can just say the tabernacle was a picture of Christ. The fragrance was a picture of Christ. The offering was a picture of Christ. Those are all true statements. But these were all things, not just that Christ was or, or is, but they're things that Christ does too. And it's important to understand that because there's a whole bunch of things going on as active, daily, operative activities in the covenant that were, yes, all of them became spiritual realities and found their fulfillment and realization in Christ. But they weren't just things that we can say, now we've come to the fulfillment of those things in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. We can't just say that and not experience Christ doing the doing those very things. What do I mean? What am I talking about? I'm talking about how in the in the old covenant, if you were submitting to the covenant, if you were walking within the boundaries of the law, which was a written covenant on tablets of stone, where again, ours is a spiritual covenant written on the tablets of the human heart. But if you were walking in that covenant, then you were experiencing something that God was doing as you kept in the covenant. It wasn't just a static thing. It wasn't a state. It wasn't a club. It wasn't a new belief system. It wasn't just a building that they went to. It was a living, daily operating thing that was having an effect on the people that were, that were staying inside of that covenant. And what was the effect? What, what, was, what was Christ in types and shadows doing inside of the boundaries of that covenant? Well, he was doing a lot of things. He was teaching them what it meant to draw near to God in purity and holiness. He was sharing with them God's view of what they were, who they were, what it meant to, to live with God in the midst of the camp. He was teaching them to keep their eyes every day on the light that was above the tabernacle to follow it, to stay when it stayed put, and to move when it moved. He was continually cleansing all forms of, uh, of disease and sickness that would grow in their flesh and on their flesh. And he telling them that if they walked in the covenant, they wouldn't even have the sicknesses and the diseases that they saw in Egypt. And so when they broke covenant, he allowed sickness and disease and miscarriage and things like that to overcome them. Now, these is, this is old, old covenant outward pictures and shadows, but it, it was the way that God was testifying of and manifesting and explaining what they had come to. In, in, in Exodus chapter 4, there's this really interesting verse where, where um, God says to Moses, go, go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh these words. Say, Israel is my son. Let my son go so that he can serve me. That's a, that's a really strange thing to say if, if you stop and think about it. But why, why would God tell, Israel, or tell Moses to go to Pharaoh and say, Israel is my son? Because what he was bringing out of Egypt was a people who were supposed to be living in that son, living by the life of that son. I think it's Exodus 4.22 if you want to look it up. 
And so that's, that's what God did. He, he brought them out, and, and again, again, in a bunch of figures and symbols and prophecies and promises and pictures, he put them into his, his son, but not as, again, not as a status, not, not as a, not as a, a group of, of people that had the same beliefs, as a living, operating um, circle of light and life. And as they kept to that, the laws of that life, as they submitted their will and their whole life to the laws of that, that covenant, then the covenant continued to do things in them as they walked in it. And, and um, I, I, I was making my list and I got sidetracked. There's other things that were going on in that covenant. God, as they walked in the covenant, God was overcoming their enemies. As long as they stayed in that covenant, there wasn't an enemy that could stand uh, in front of them and, 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 and successfully defeat them or fight against them. They, they didn't have to provide the power. They just had to walk in the covenant. And the power was part of the covenant. The power flowed, like Pennington says here, the power flowed in the covenant. Uh, what else? They were being forgiven. That is to say, God was actively, presently, continually separating from them everything that was called sin or trespass or brought guilt upon them. That was part of what it meant to walk. This reminds me of 1 John. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, well then... Under those conditions, which is keeping the new covenant, then there is forgiveness and cleansing from all sin. And and so so many we could we could spend weeks, and I think we've we've touched on this in some some previous um, Sundays. I think we've touched on the the reality of a covenant, but everything that Israel was experiencing was a daily, continual submission to a written law that brought them into a living engagement, a living heart relationship that had an agreement to it, had boundaries to it, that they had to be careful to not trespass or transgress. And just as long as they walked in that covenant and kept that covenant, then things went well with them in every sense of the word. In, in their harvests, in their battles, in their health, in their increase, in, in every sense of the, of the word, Israel's requirement was to keep the covenant. And every bit of power and life and change and transformation and healing and uh, removing of sin and trespass and guilt and all of that was none of that was something they had to supply. Not, none of it is something they could could supply. But man had to submit to the agreement and had to walk in that living agreement. Man had to keep the covenant, and so. The reason I, I say all that is because the New Testament talks a lot about being in Christ. 
you, can, you bump into that phrase probably on every page, almost, if not every page, I don't know. Something about be, not necessarily being in, saying in Christ, but in Him or in the Beloved or in in or in the Spirit. It, it speaks so much about that. And again, I think that we have this tendency to think of that as kind of a um, a set of beliefs or a static uh, position that we've a legal position that we've come to or a church. A, a, church membership that we've joined or, or something that is much less than a, a living circle of light and life that has boundaries and has an agreement and has power flowing in it and requires that we walk in it and live in it. And also, as, as I read before here from Pennington, um, it it says the soul may, the soul is placed into this covenant. By God, you are in Christ Jesus. Um, but, but the soul may hearken to the enemy and not to the Lord. The soul may continue to walk after the flesh and not after the spirit. It may lust after things. Uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 10, it's talking about this very thing, actually. Talking about when they left Egypt. And he's, Paul is, he says, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea and all, drank, all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock which followed them and that rock was Christ. So here's Paul saying everything that they, they were doing was a, was a picture, the thing they were eating, the thing they were drinking, the thing they were baptized into, all of this was a picture of Christ. But then it says, but with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted and do not become idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And he goes on to describe a bunch of their other sins that they committed in this by going outside of the circle of, of the covenant. And he says in verse 11, Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition. That's a really that's what I'm trying to say this morning is that all these things were were given to them as examples and they were written for our admonition. Why? Because God has brought us into Christ and in Christ is again is not not that position or just that belief system. It's that living person who has a living law and he writes that law. Now it's not written on stones. Now it's not written on parchments. Now that law, the law of the covenant. How do you, so someone asked the question, how do you learn the new covenant? And, and, and you know, the common answer is read the New Testament. Well, that's a really good thing to do, to read the New Testament. I think you should do that every day. But you can read the New Testament and not learn the new covenant. 
In fact, that's really easy to do. In the same way that you could read the Old Covenant, or read the Old Testament and not keep the Old Covenant. The Old Testament is a description of the New Covenant, but if you want to read and learn the New Covenant, you have to learn it where it is written. And, and where it is written is inside of us, where Christ is actively, daily, doing or, or, or should be doing, if we're looking to him and experiencing what he is wanting to do in us, the very fulfillment of all of those things that we read about in the Old Covenant. What is Christ doing to those who are watching and turning to him now? Well, we could go back to our list of what we what we just mentioned in the Old Covenant. He's teaching you how to draw near to his Father. Not in proximity, not in physical location. That, that, that that's, doesn't really make sense. God is everywhere. But he is teaching you how to draw near to him in the sense of sharing one life and one nature and being freed from what is contrary. <clears throat> What is it? Enmity with his father. He's teaching you what it means to lay, to, to offer yourself, your flesh, your own will as a daily sacrifice. He's teaching you what it means to be filled with a new fragrance that cannot be mixed with flesh. Because like in the Old Testament law, if you, you, anyone who puts the, the holy fragrance of the incense of God's tabernacle on flesh will be cut off from his people. He's teaching you what it means to be cleansed from our sickness and disease that comes from sin. All the inward sicknesses and diseases. He's, he's purifying for himself a people, a holy people. He's, he, uh, he's, the, he's the high priest that's showing us how to wash in the laver and how to experience the candlestick in the, ta- in the tabernacle of God or the showbread or the, uh, in, any of these things, how to go with him be, behind the veil because he's become an anchor behind that veil, drawing us further and further to live with him there. All of that in, in so many different ways is what Christ is, is seeking to do, but, but not as just a collection of things that we claim are true because of the year that we live in or because of the beliefs that we have in our head, but rather because of a, a, a law, a new covenant law that is being written in our hearts. And how, how do you learn this law? How do you... How do you learn the boundaries of the covenant. I know of only one way, and yet it's, I, I think it's a perfect way. It is to turn with your heart to the teacher of the covenant and to watch and to wait and to seek and to cry out for understanding and wisdom to turn towards that light in the tabernacle and to watch it and to follow it and to let it be your teacher. And if you, if you, if any Christian 
of any age will seek to live in that way and desire to to walk in that covenant, then you will begin to find the boundaries of that covenant. And how are you going to find them? You're going to bump into them in your own heart. You're going to find where trespass of his holy law of the spirit begins. Where you step towards it. You're going to find sin. You're going to find the boundaries of that life and that light because it is going to be made manifest in you. You're going to find the edges of that circle where it's safe to walk, where you can walk with safety and where you are going outside the boundaries of that safety. You're going to find a place where you can walk with God and where God's work in the heart can be continually experienced. You're going to find the liberty of his spirit, which isn't a liberty to live your own life. It's a liberty from your life to stay with him in the power and the the righteousness and the love and the mercy and the victory and the harvest and everything that is experienced when we walk inside of that covenant. And the question that has just become more and more practical for me every day is, it's not whether I believe that Christ created a new covenant in his blood I think we all believe that. It's not whether we can say with uh, Isaiah 42 and 49 that Christ was given to us as a covenant. I will give you as a covenant to the peoples and as a light to the nations. Again, awesome scriptures and very true, but easy to quote without walking in the covenant. question that has become so... um, so important to me, and I wish I were better at this than I am, is am I keeping the covenant today? Am I walking in that covenant today? Am I being careful to watch that light over the, over the tabernacle and move when it moves and stay when it stays? Am I letting the Lord, am I, am I watching When my words, for instance, bring me to the edge of that circle, do I follow them right out of that circle into an experience of that inward death that can often be felt by a sensitive soul, by a sensitive heart? I I think you guys know what I'm talking about when I say that. When your words, when your desire to uh, talk, this is one of my most besetting sins, I believe, my desire to talk, my desire to say things brings me out of the boundaries and I, I don't pay attention when I'm getting close to the boundaries and I feel afterwards a measure of that death that's on the outside and I have to turn back in and present that flesh that led me out as a living sacrifice or, or, or when desires lead me past the boundaries of truth, past the boundaries of the covenant, or when insecurities or fears lead me to reach for things and grab things and do things and manipulate things and control things that are outside the boundaries of that covenant, or when 
interest and curiosity leads me to touch. Here's another picture that's that's so prominent throughout the whole old covenant is not to defile yourself by touching dead things. We talked about that that one Sunday about the grasshopper in the pot and how how strange of a picture that is, and yet there's a whole there's a whole lot of other pictures too about defiling ourselves by touching things that are dead and and then partaking in that defilement ourselves. How do you learn these things? It's not the old the Old Testament may seem very complicated because there's so many individual pictures of the the ways that God writes this one inward covenant in your heart. You know, I I I don't know how old covenant Israel kept it all straight. You know, you're allowed to do this, and three days after that you can do this, but you can't touch that, and mm-hmm. don't don't forget you if this thing chews the cud, you can eat it, but if it doesn't chew the cud, there were so many pictures of what it meant to walk with God inside of that circle. But in a sense you could say the old covenant was complicated in that way. Not because God was trying to give Israel a complicated thing, but there were just because there were so many things that humans interact with that were either safe or not safe, either life or or not life. And so the Lord gave Israel a a long list of of, uh, descriptions of those things. But the new covenant is really, it's not complicated. There are still a multitude of different things that humans bump into every day. And therefore, there's a multitude of different ways that we're going to experience the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus or the law that is Christ or the law of faith or the law of liberty that James speaks of, liberty in the spirit from the flesh. But it's not something you have to study with your brain it's something you have to submit your heart to. And that's really all there is to it. As you walk with him, as you submit to him, then his finger writes on your heart and teaches you the boundaries. And the question is, like, like Isaac Pennington said here, is, is if the soul is abiding in and therefore enjoying and possessing the things of the covenant. Because he says, if the enemy can by any means draw the soul out from here, he draws it from its own life and strength. I I don't know about you guys, but I can testify that that's what it feels like. If he draws it out from that safe light and place to walk with God, then he draws it from its own life and strength and from the sweet blessings and influences of the holy and free covenant. Now the Lord, again, has not given power to the enemy to force the soul out from here. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. But you can walk out of that circle if you want to. You can, by your own free will, unite your heart and your mind and your will and your desires to things that will draw you out of your own life and strength, which are found in Christ. So I think I'll maybe just stop there.